Welcome to One Haas, a podcast devoted to bringing the Haas community closer together through your stories. I'm your host, Sean Lee, and my mission is to help open our eyes to the network we never knew we had. Today, I'm joined by Ray Guan, my co-host, and Sam Tanner, full-time MBA 2020. Welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being here, Ray. Yeah, of course. Let's start off with your background. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and you know what you did before Haas. Sure. So I am originally from New York. I grew up in an area called Westchester County, which is a suburb of New York City. And I wanted to get onto the opposite coast for college. So I attended USC, which is down in Los Angeles. And from a very young age, I've always been interested in the food industry, everything about food from where it comes from, the farming process, the process of cooking the food, and then the distribution. I loved it all. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get involved with food after USC. I found myself being recruited for different management training programs in the food industry and ended up joining up with Aldi. And Aldi is this very large German grocery conglomerate, also known as the same parent company that owns Trader Joe's. So a lot of people will recognize that. And so for me, I was open to a very broad range of opportunities, but what seemed to align best with what I wanted coming out of undergrad, which was I wanted a high level of autonomy. I wanted the responsibility and I wanted to have some level of ownership. I didn't want to be um, doing something where I had pretty much one job, one role, one hat. I wanted to have like a very diverse set of responsibilities. So the management training programs that I applied to seemed to all offer some level of autonomy. But what I found with Aldi was that they were growing very quickly and they had this really unique opportunity to get placed in a division around the US. And at the time there were 22 divisions and those are mostly regional subsets of Aldi. And you were placed in that region and you actually went through this training program where you start as an associate Mm. and you work your way up. So you're scrubbing the floor, getting to the store at 4.30 in the morning to put produce out and um, getting on the register. So I had never rang on a register before. (laughs) Um, I was placed in the South side of Chicago and had to manage that store for months. It was an absolutely incredible experience that changed the way I thought about myself, my plans for the future, business in general. And I, it was incredibly informative and exciting and stressful all at the same time. But after that, they transitioned you once you've learned every aspect of the in-store experience to the district manager role. So then you would oversee the financials, operations, logistics of a subset of stores within your region. So at that point, I then transitioned to stores in the Chicagoland area, learned from a, they call it like a DM mentor. So you learn from someone who has been in the role for a while. And then at that point in, um, let's see, it was about June of 2015, I had been in the role for about a year. And then I transitioned out to Southern California to help open up the market. So it was a very immersive experience from the beginning. And then we moved out to an area in Southern California where no Aldi stores existed. So we were then out there for a year before we had any stores on the ground. But At that point, what we needed to do was hire all of the management, train all of the employees. And at that point in our first rollout, 
of stores, we were looking to hire literally hundreds and hundreds of employees, train them, and Aldi is all about efficiency. So right. it was how do we get the, the employees trained as quickly as possible and have them know how to do things the Aldi way. Because to run a store, which is open seven days a week, roughly 12 hours a day, a typical store would have around nine people. Mm -hmm. And in order to have that level of effectiveness and have each employee operating at a level that can sustain itself, you needed really well-trained employees. Wait, where I've never seen an Aldi. There are some in Dallas where I grew up. I think from what I remember, they have really cheap eggs that they do. But they're, I think, from Germany. Yeah, yeah. You... So they're from Germany. They've been in the US since the 70s. And their headquarters is in an area called Batavia, which is just outside of Chicago. But their main footprint is East Coast. They're in Florida, Texas. And then I was part of the team to help expand to Southern California. So there's there are no stores north of around Bakersfield area. What about in the Midwest? I'm from the Midwest. I've, oh, what, what I, I've, city are you from? Well, I'm from Michigan. Okay, so but, there are plenty of Aldi locations. You just really? haven't been looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't beat the prices. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's, we have Meyer and Kroger. Kroger yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's much smaller footprint. Okay. Generally okay. around the size of a Trader Joe's, so mm -hmm. like 12,000 square feet of sales floor space. And then it's also very different from a traditional grocery retailer because 95% of the products are private label. Oh. So it's their own store brands, really great quality, but you're not going to find all of the national brands that you would at a Meyer or Kroger. When did they acquire Trader Joe's? So it's a little bit of a complicated setup, but... Aldi was split up into Aldi Nord and Aldi Sud. And the Aldi Sud branch was what ended up buying the Trader Joe's, I guess, chain I um, decades ago. So they're operationally completely separate mm -hmm. at this point. Okay. Yeah. So Sam here, uh, you started your own company, right? Yeah. Yes. Tanner's Tea Company. How did that come about? That came about towards the end of my experience at Aldi. I had been working in grocery stores for years at that point. And I think what drew me into the grocery industry, of course, there was the role and the responsibility, but I always had a love of the product side. And I would find myself staring at new items when we got them in and looking at the branding and the ingredients. And that was always where my passion was. Right. And I had been thinking for a long time about entrepreneurship, wanting to start my own company. And out of just a personal love of matcha, which I discovered years prior, I was making it every morning, doing the whisking of the matcha before work. Yeah. And I just fell in love with it. And I wanted to come to business school with the intention of launching a business because my mentality was I'm going to a full-time program where of course I'm going to be taking classes, but this is the time in my life where I'll have the flexibility more so than I've ever had or potentially will have. So I just came and wanted to get a company off the ground as quickly as possible. It's amazing. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Like you started this before coming to Haas. It started the month before I came to Haas. So <laughs> essentially the same time as I was moving from Southern California to Northern California, knew everything, I decided to start the company. So it was something that has 
pivoted quite a lot over the course of now almost a year and a half of being in business. The company started actually with a different name. The name was Mother Matcha. And that's still the name of the LLC. And at the point when I came to school, I was actually set on having a ready-to-drink product. And Mm. this is something that you could buy in grocery stores. And it was going to be a refrigerated latte that you'd have on the go. And it was a matcha latte. Instead of getting it from a cafe, you could just go to your local grocery store and get a really high-quality product. Now, when I did that, I was working with a food scientist to develop the product. And I was really excited about it, but incredibly naive as well about just the costs that are associated with a refrigerated product, especially as a student who's paying tuition for a full-time program to think that I could just bootstrap the product was very (laughs) unfortunate and incorrect. So very quickly, I made a pivot. And in that process, I spoke to a lot of cafe owners, baristas who were making matcha products about what their pain points were. Mm. And very much anyone who drinks matcha has probably tried it the traditional way with whisking the matcha. And I found that that's definitely still the mainstream way to make it. And people who want to have more of that ceremonial process will will not mind taking the few extra minutes. But I still saw that there was an opportunity when it came to the cafes and quick service restaurants to have a matcha concentrate that was still using the very high quality ceremonial grade matcha, very limited added ingredients, but would really have the value proposition of saving the barista's time. And time is money in any kind of business. So I just spoke to as many people as I could about it. And I saw that at least from the initial conversations I was having, that there was interest in creating a at least the, the cafes having this product. Um, so at that point, I went back to the drawing board. And this is January of 2019. Mm-hmm. And went back with a food scientist, tried to come up with a formula and a way to make it that was still great. But obviously, at this point, it was a very different product. And from there, I finally, after a month or so, was able to get a formulation that I was excited about and started hunting for a co-manufacturer, which was a very long and arduous process because a lot of the co-packers laughed when I told them my minimum order that I wanted to run. Because obviously, for any manufacturer, they want huge orders and that really helps with their efficiencies. And eventually was able to convince a co-packer to take me on. That went well for a few months. And then I quickly found out that they were transitioning away from the packaging that I required for my product. And they were just going to canned beverages. And my product for a concentrate, it wouldn't work in a can. And it just hasn't been done for a ready to drink. You can definitely do a can, but not for what I was working on. So at that point, had to find another co-packer, which was another few months, and finally found another co-packer that would be able to manufacture the product, had a large enough facility, and would work with my minimum order quantities. And so I've been working with them now since August of 2019. Wow. That's cool. How did you... uh go about finding a food scientist. So, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. if, if I were to like to start a tea company tomorrow, I'd be like, I don't know where I'd find a food scientist. Yeah, a lot of Google and LinkedIn okay. searching. It just <laughs> That's how I survive nowadays, Google and LinkedIn. So, for me, 
there are tons of companies and they're generally called flavor houses and there are beverage consultant companies that will do the work, but they're going to charge you an arm and a leg for it. So I was able to find a freelance food scientist who had graduated recently from UC Davis and UC Davis is really renowned for their agriculture and food science program. Mm. So he was a more recent grad him and I were able to decide on a negotiated rate that was on a project basis. So we had this one deliverable of the matcha concentrate and he was also based in the Bay, which was another huge aspect because I didn't want to use someone outside of the Bay and then have that conversation, not being able to work side by side would have been an issue. That's an interesting uh, career, just food scientists, yeah. especially it sounds like he's doing a lot of tasting yes. as well. Right? Yes. So, so him and I had to be on the same page with what the product consistency was going to be, the color of the matcha, everything. And then also he played a large role in the actual supplier relationships and being able to find the best quality for my price range that I was able to work with. So without him, it would have been, I think, a lot more difficult for me to figure out the supplier side. Yeah. Let's talk about your time at Haas. So maybe just tell us about some of the activities that you're involved in, as well as what you're doing now in the second year of your MBA. Sure. So I came in very much over my head with starting a business, but I thought, you know what? That's not enough. I need to do more. <laughs> I'm like half laughing, but very <laughs> serious that I have a like over committal situation. You're just I always, overachieving. It's yes, okay. <laughs> I always want to do as much as possible. And that, that's like all business students. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very similar. A lot of us are type A personalities, right? So I wanted to get involved with food at Haas, which I had actually heard about when I came to visit Haas for the Days at Haas program for potential students to check out Haas and explore the campus a bit. So for me, I actually ran for co-president with one of my classmates, John Monaghan, in November of 2018, so a year ago. And at Haas for the boards and presidents, you serve a year term from January, so when you get back from winter break, mm -hmm. to around December. And so we're finishing up on that year now. And it was such a great experience um, beyond the incredible people at Haas who are so interested in food. And that was also, on a side note, one of the big reasons why I came to Haas in the first place was because I knew that compared to other business schools, they had the strongest relationships with food companies in the Bay Area. And in general, they had a pretty large percentage of the student population who were interested in food and beverage and sustainability, all things that I was really excited about. Mm. So for me, uh, being the president of Food at Haas has been a great opportunity to bring speakers to campus that I wouldn't otherwise have access to. And we put on this big event called the Food Summit, which happens during the career week in October. And it was put on last year at this time as well. It was a half-day event where we had a keynote speaker from Numi Tea, which is a local Oakland-based tea company that is leading in sustainability measures. Um, one of the top companies in the country who wow. is focused on climate change and creating more eco-friendly and sustainable packaging. And um, beyond that, we had people come in from plenty of consumer-facing companies, but a lot of companies that were tackling large change within food systems. So that goes everything from farming practices to creating a more sustainable supply chain. And I can go 
on and on and on about this. But and this is the mission of Food at Haas as a whole to the, cover this breadth of yeah, topics. Yeah, Food at Haas, I think, is generally seen as a more career focused club because at Haas, you do have more social clubs that are right. truly just getting students together, like beer, eating. Beer at Haas. Yeah, that's, wine at Haas. exactly. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad we're clearing this up because <laughs> for the longest time, I thought Food at Haas was just a bunch of students getting together to. There are oh, plenty eat. of foodies, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People definitely eat good food, right. but there is more of a focus on the professional angle as Got well. It. So we have also a weekly speaker series and that happens every Wednesday night and they have different topic areas for each week. So they cover things from different kinds of sustainable meats with the rise of Beyond Meat, Impossible, yeah. all of that, to bringing in people who are on the farming side through Farmers Business Network. And there's a really broad range of different options, but I'd say overall it covers the whole wide range of food systems. I do have to ask you, from the students I've engaged with, right? A lot of students come to uh, the MBA to go down the consulting track, to go down, say, the banking track or product management track. And there are a lot of curriculum and career services around that to support those careers. What have you found to be really helpful for you as a food entrepreneur mm -hmm. at Haas? Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. Going into food is not the traditional MBA path for right, sure. Right. And there's plenty of others too. And I, I think yeah. this is a really interesting to hear, you know, how else Haas supports other career paths. Absolutely. So off the top of my head, I think one that I'm involved with right now is for second year students who are interested in food, there's actually a class. It's a three credit class called Food Innovation Studio. Mm. And very early on in the class, you form groups and you try to conquer or solve or get closer to solving a problem in the food system value chain. So there are companies that are doing everything from coming up with a product to help with children who have trouble sleeping. <laughs> and that's more of a like beverage product wow. to you have team that's trying to map out vertical farming and more biome friendly farming methods. So it's a really interesting class. And I personally went into the class wanting to have a subject area that was far from my level of comfort. So I'm actually on a project that is doing something in vertical farming and sustainability. So I think that class has been really great. And it's taught by Will Rosenzweig, who himself has had decades of experience in the food industry. He was the co-founder of a company called The Republic of tea, which is still around, mm -hmm. privately held. Um, he's no longer active in that, but he has so much rich experience in the food industry. So I'm getting a lot out of that class. And beyond that, I also participated in the Launch Accelerator Program. So Launch is the UC wide accelerator program. It's industry agnostic. So coming in as a food person was something that was welcomed and appreciated. And of the 12 teams that made it to the finals and the demo day, four of the 12 teams were food related, wow. either food product based or food tech based. So okay. I think that just speaks to the richness of the food ecosystem at Haas. And it's incredibly exciting to me just how involved people want to be. Absolutely. I want to ask you about some of the treks that you've been on. So 
last week I went on a trek to Safeway of all places, right? <laughs> and it was a it was kind of a retail CPG trek, and I think it was sponsored by the Haas at Marketing Club. What kind of treks does the Food at Haas Club sponsor? And can you just speak a little bit to if you've gone on any of those, what your experience is? Mm-hmm. So. I guess twofold. First of which is there is a fair amount of overlap between Food at Haas and the Marketing Club. So I know in the past we have done co-sponsored events, if you will, to different companies such as Clorox. So Clorox people don't Mm -hmm. usually think of that as a food company, but they technically... So I went on that track too. And that was... Okay, so I didn't know that Food at Haas had a role in that as well. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it depends on how it's marketed. But I know Clorox is one that we have done before. Beyond that, we've done ones to General Mills, Annie's, because they're also local. So there are the ones that are more professional. Most recently, I believe this past Friday it was, there was a group that went to St. George's Distillery and they do premium spirits there and just it was obviously something that's more informal, educational. People who are interested in spirits would enjoy that. Right. And um, beyond that, let's see. In the spring of last year, we did a trip out to Cowgirl Creamery, which is this very Berkeley institution that creates really high caliber cheeses. Mm-hmm. And it's actually run currently, as of now, is a woman by the name of Amanda Parker. And she graduated from Haas a few years ago. That's cool. So you have that Haas connection. So we did a day out there and then went to Tamales Bay and got oysters. That's obviously more of a fun event. Yeah, yeah. So it really ranges. And I think for us, especially, I know my tenure is ending as president and there is an awesome group of people who are coming in after us. I think it's very much brought on by what the students' interests are. So if someone comes to us and says, hey, I want to have a trek here I'll contact the whoever I know over there or reach out and try and get a group to go. That's always something that's welcomed and we appreciate it too. Especially as a student-run group, we want to go to as many cool places as possible. Oh, that's great. Now that you're nearing the end of your MBA, any advice you want to give to incoming students? Ooh, advice. I think, gosh, for me... I was very focused when I came into Haas and I really created an experience that was very much revolving around my interests, my business, and I was very laser focused on that. Mm -hmm. And you get so many different pieces of advice on this when you come to an MBA program. Of course, you want to be open to possibilities. And especially if you're trying to discover what your future career will be, you have to really have as many informational coffee chats and meet as many people as you can. But I also would advocate for the other side of the spectrum, that's obviously the side that I'm on, which Mm -hmm. is if you come in with an interest and you can dig in and really create an experience that revolves around what you want. And for me, it was getting involved in the food ecosystem. I've had an incredibly fantastic experience and I've been able to then leverage my student pass, if you will, when reaching out to people in the industry that Mm -hmm. I'm in Mm -hmm. and really playing that card. But it's because I knew what I wanted to do. So that's my one piece of advice. That's great. Lastly, where can people find Tanner's Tea? Ooh, so we are available. If you're not in the Berkeley area or Los Angeles area, you can buy us on Amazon. 
So we sell smaller glass bottles on Amazon. But if you are in the Berkeley area, we are at 20 cafes just around Berkeley, Napa, Sonoma, Oakland, and Los Angeles. But just to name a few of like the busiest ones in Berkeley, Mm -hmm. we have Caffeinated Cafe, which is in North Berkeley, Victory Point, which is in North Berkeley, Mm -hmm. Um, The Butcher's Vegan Sun, which is an awesome like vegan restaurant in the Berkeley area, and Baker and Commons, which is in Elmwood. So just a few options. And that's spelled Tanner's T-A-N-N-O-R apostrophe S. Yes. Yes, exactly. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. My aim is to bring the Haas community closer together through your stories. We're always looking for Haasies willing to share their stories and experiences so that we can give you more insights into the different programs, different careers, and ultimately different perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please feel free to email me for suggestions on how I can improve this podcast or if you have any recommendations on people or content you'd like to hear. My email is reachshawn at berkeley.edu. That's spelled R-E-A-C-H-S-E-A-N at berkeley.edu. 